Well, this morning we want to continue our conversation from the power of being strategic, and we want to talk about discerning your role in the meta narrative. And this applies not only to individuals, but it applies to organizations because God is the God of all. And this uh, in the Beyond Babel model is part of the third element of the model, which is strategic planning. The model is a five-fold model. At the basis of the model is uh, thinking biblically. Uh, that is a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview that defines all of reality and everything within reality. Then equally yoked senior leaders, and those equally so, so yoked senior leaders are charged to discern the plan and purpose of God for organization, whatever that organization is called to do. And then there's executional excellence, five keys to executing with excellence and finally, the validation from the customer that you really have delivered what you said you're going to deliver and that indeed God is paying for what you're doing. This is confirmation that you're aligned with him when he pays because he pays for what he orders. So we talked last time about uh, this, this section on um, discerning your purpose in the meta narrative. We talked more high level, big picture, and today we want to apply it. We want to talk really specifically about what that looks like. So the big question is, is, can you see the purpose of God for your organization or for yourself? Remember, God is strategic. He is intentional and he is sovereign over every person and every organization. Now, that's very challenging for us today. Those of us who have grown up in a culture that's largely been shaped by evolutionary thinking, whether we are aware of it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, the theory of evolution is a big part of our background, a big part of our experience in life. It influences schools, whether they're Christian or not. And the theory of evolution is all about random chance. And so when you get random chance planted in you, it begins to permeate everything that you think. And so you look at things and you think that things happen random, like you flip a coin, you think that's random. That's very normal to think that way. Before sporting events, we might flip a coin to see who's going to bat first or who's going to kick off first or who's going to you know, uh, throw the ball in first or whatever the sport is. Uh, that's very common to do that thing because we think that's random. Scripture says in Proverbs 16, that that is not random. Flipping a coin is never random to God. It appears random to humans. So we've got to learn to think more from God's perspective, and that's, that's not easy. So as we look at various industries, whether it be, for example, railroads, or we see a hospital, or perhaps a farm, or maybe an athletic event, or a restaurant, a university, uh, maybe a cell tower, or maybe a power grid. You look at all these different things and they don't look like they have anything to do with God. And that comes from evolutionary thinking in us. That's how influenced we've been by the theory of evolution, whether we want to admit it or not. Because if we saw these from God's perspective, everything here has a distinct purpose in God's big story of history, his meta narrative. You see, Things like railroads. The reason we need railroads is because in a big universe where we're called to be God's ruling agents, we have to transport things. You know, you can't just walk around the earth easily. You can't even walk across a continent easily or across a city easily. 
there needs to be transportation to get men and materials where they need to be to do what God has called them to do. So you've got to begin to see railroads as tools to facilitate mankind's rule and reign on earth, getting people, getting resources where they're supposed to be to do what God wants done. Or you look at healthcare. Healthcare is all about getting very clear on the reality of sin and the implications of sin. When you see a hospital, it should remind you of the fallen condition of mankind. You see, mankind from Adam and Eve has been in bondage to sin, and only through Christ is there freedom from that bondage. But God has given us the grace to fight sin. Not only has he given us grace to fight sin in terms of having eternal life, but we have the grace to fight sin here and now. We can fight the sin that attacks us physically, and that is what healthcare is all about. And the purpose for healthcare is to keep people healthy so they can do what it is that they're called to do in the meta narrative. And so you can see, you can couch every one of these things, and I can tell you stories about every one of these pictures here about how it fits into the big picture of what God is doing, his big story of history. And so as we think this through, we want to be very clear that we're always asking the question, what's in it for God? It's so easy for us to get consumed with ourselves and to ask the question, what's in it for us? And I think biblically, that's really not even a relevant question. The only relevant question is what's in it for God. I remember being in Asia a few years ago and making this comment, and someone in the audience was very stunned, which is fairly common. But what he, what he said surprised me a little bit. He said, I knew that what's in it for me wasn't the right question, but I thought the right question was what's in it for others? He said, I'd never thought about it. You know, what's in it for God? Well, you got to think bigger. It's not about me. It's not even about others. It's really about God and what he wants to do. And that is the stretch that really challenges all of us and produces vexing challenges in our heart and our minds. Keep in mind, God has individual purpose. You know, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is a great text. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. In other words, when you express faith in Christ, it did not come from your will. You didn't do it. You were moved by the life-giving Spirit of God in you who regenerated you, brought you to life, and now empowers you to express faith in Christ. And he gives you that for a reason. He goes on in verse 10 to say, for we are his workmanship. We're created specifically, intentionally, strategically for God's purpose and his pleasure. And we are created in Christ Jesus for a work assignment, which God prepared in advance as part of his meta narrative. And our call is to walk out that work assignment in his meta narrative. That's why we are redeemed. We're not redeemed just to spend eternity with God, although we will. And that will be a wonderful blessing. We are redeemed to play a role here and now, as long as we're alive on this planet, play a role in God's meta narrative 
of being his ruling agents here on earth. Genesis 1, 26 through 28 tells us we're here to be God's ruling agents, to represent him, to execute his will according to his ways. So it starts with an individual sense of purpose and destiny, and then it flows over into an organizational sense of purpose and destiny. James 4, verses 13 through 17 is so clear here. I mean, it's one of these things, there's just no question about what he's talking about. He's talking about strategic planning of organizations. The text here reads, come now, by the way, that's an imperative. He's saying, listen up. You who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Now, what we, we call that a business plan. I've written scores of business plans for clients over the years, and every one of them says the same thing. We're going to go somewhere, we're going to do something, and we're going to make a bunch of money. They always say that. And what he's saying here is you need to be humble about this. Don't be arrogant about your business plans because you really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't really have great clarity on the will of God. So you need to humble yourself. And the way he expresses that here is he says, what is your life? He asks you a rhetorical question. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then you vanish. In other words, you're here and then you're gone. The meta narrative was here before you got here. It will continue after you leave. It continues. It's like a big play going on in, in time. It encompasses the whole world as the stage. You are born into this context to play a role in the play, and then you're gone. That's the picture. Now, that is not supposed to demean your purpose or your meaning or your significance. It does not mean that. You are very important. Everyone's important. Everyone has a role to play. Everyone counts. And we've got to be very, very clear on that. At the same time, we have to know and we understand our lives are not here in a vacuum. Time didn't start when we were born and it won't stop when we leave. There is a huge context into which we're born into. It's not about the American dream. That's the big deal today. That's what you hear from the financial services world is all about helping you do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. It's all about the American dream. And up until recent days, what I'd odd heard frequently from the financial services world was all about retirement. You know, work as hard as you can, as fast as you can, make as much, much money as soon as you can, so you can retire as soon as you can, so you can do whatever you want to do in life. You can be your own God at that point. That's what's being sold. But now there are people that are rising up. I actually saw a commercial on this and saying, well, if you don't want to retire, that's okay. We can make a plan for you not retiring. So they're trying to cover all the bases. The financial services world is looking to help you do whatever it is you want to do. And that's okay if what you want to do is what God wants you to do. That's the rub. There's almost no one that I see in all the world that I travel and all the people I talk to, almost no one is talking about what is it that God has called me to do? What has he created me to do? What is my role in meta narrative? And really seeking to understand that and recognizing that God will provide the resources for you to do that. 
and you need to steward those resources well. Now that's where you need a financial advisor to help you steward the resources to do what God has called you to do. That's what financial advisory work should really be. But sadly, most don't see that today. And so we have a very distorted view of financial services. Organizational purpose is built on humility before God and submission to God and asking the right question. And the right question is one question. What is the will of God? What's in it for God? That is the only right question. You see that in James 4, and verse 15, where he talks, he says this. Instead of boasting about what you're going to do, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. The Lord's will is all that matters. That's the heart of what it is to be a Christian in every area of life, personally and in every organization you're part of. This includes not only your workplace, it includes the family. It includes the church. Whatever Christian community you're part of should be seeking the will of God. And sadly, in working with church leaders that as I have over the over the over this planet, I've worked in I've worked in every continent except South America. I have been to South America. I've been to every other continent. I've been to Africa, Europe, Asia, uh, can't, I've been to North America, obviously, I've been to Mexico, all these different places. I see the same thing in the Christian world. There's almost no understanding in local churches about what it really means to seek the will of God. Almost every local church is pursuing basically the church version of the American dream. And the church version of the American dream is all about, you know, building a big church that gives the people impression that you're a great success. That's it. And the five metrics of success in the church world are a growing congregation, a growing budget, a growing staff, growing programs, and a growing building. You got to be growing in all five of those. If you're not growing in all five of those areas, you're not a success. And so that is a very worldly metric. There's nothing in the metrics about quality. It's all about quantity. Christ was not about, about quantity. He could have had a whole lot more followers than he had. He was about quality. When you start going for quality, the audience gets thin. And that's because God is always historically, in his word, worked through a remnant. He's never never had a popular message. You see, the popular message tickles the flesh. The popular message is the American dream. The popular message is not die to self to serve the purposes of God. But that is the correct message. So that's the challenge in thinking big, thinking beyond ourselves, whether it's personally, organizationally, we have to think beyond ourselves. If we can't learn to do that, we will never connect with the purposes of God well. We will be here. We might attend church. We might volunteer our time. We might contribute something that looks good, but we won't be living at the level God has called us to live at, which is alignment with his will and his ways, doing the things we've been called to do, not just doing things that we could do or we can do or we think we should do. We need to do the things that God specifically has created us to do. So as we think about how to begin to do this better, we've got to stretch ourselves. 
So I have a little exercise I want to get into here to challenge us to stretch ourselves. What I've got here on the slide is on the left-hand column, the basic industries. Now, this is not a complete list. It's not intended to be a complete list. It's a representative list of basic industries. And the question is, how does this industry fit into the meta-narrative, the purpose of God? How would we see this in light of the meta-narrative? So I'm just going to illustrate a few to give you a feel for how to think about this at this level and to at least to offer you how I think about it at this level. I'm not claiming I have the answer, but I have a perspective that I think has some value to consider. And then I want to go into a discussion of how you view your industry. So uh, don't get distracted thinking about your industry yet. Let me just illustrate a few of these to you, and then we'll go through and, and give you, each one of you an opportunity to weigh in and see if you can, you can explain how your industry fits into the big story of history. So first of all, let's take the clothing industry. How does the clothing industry fit into the meta narrative? Well, first of all, the clothing industry would not be necessary were there not sin. You got to understand. Yeah, look at the first thing you ask with any industry is, was this something that would have been needed before the fall? Or is it only needed because of the fall? Now, that doesn't make one, one industry better than another. That's not a determiner for what's important. They're all important because we're in a fallen world. And we have to deal with the effects of sin. Well, clothing is part of the way we deal with the effects of sin. So as we look at clothing, we have to recognize that to some degree, it's a testimony of sin. When I see somebody with clothes on, which I'm very glad I see them with clothes on, uh, I am reminded that we are in a fallen world. This is a fallen universe. And clothing is here to protect us to cover us from our shame and nakedness before God and therefore before each other, which then enables us to be around each other because we need to work in teams to facilitate our role in the creation mandate. No one will be able to do what they're called to do well by themselves. That's contrary to how God made his universe to work. He made his universe to be interdependent and the most basic unit of the, of the universe, the basic molecule, to, so to speak, of mankind is the man and woman in biblical marriage. That is the basic unit. There's no other basic unit. Two women don't make a marriage. Two men don't make a marriage. You know, a, a person and an animal don't make a marriage. It, it takes a man and a woman together in biblical marriage to be the basic building blocks of a culture. And so clothing here is what helps us to be together and to, to be able to work together and to serve the purposes of God together. Okay, another example here would be education. Why do we need education? Why does anybody need to be trained? It's very interesting if you look at uh, organizations today, virtually every organization that has any size or substance to it, that's a, that has any kind of durability to it, when you go in, the first thing that's going to happen to you is training. The very first thing, you are going to be trained. It doesn't matter what kind of training you have, how many degrees you have, how many PhDs you might have. It doesn't matter. 
you're going to get some training because it doesn't matter what your education, it's never adequate, fully adequate for what it is you're going to do in whatever organization you're called to be part of. So education is a lifelong process in every sphere. And education is designed to do two basic things. Number one is you have to impart knowledge. Knowledge is an understanding of how God's universe works. There is a correct knowledge. There is a lot of false knowledge, like the theory of evolution. That is false knowledge. That is pseudo-knowledge. That is not correct. It's misleading people, misguiding people. We have to learn correct knowledge, how the universe works, and secondarily, we have to learn then how to apply that knowledge to live well in God's universe. That's called wisdom. And the reason for wisdom and knowledge is so we can facilitate the creation mandate. We can fulfill our purpose in the big story of history, which is to rule and reign as God's representatives. When Adam and Eve were given the creation mandate in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, it was just the two of them. And they were told to multiply because the job of being God's ruling agents on earth was huge. And it's gotten doubly difficult because of the fall. It was big before the fall. It's even bigger now after the fall. So education not only has imparts knowledge and wisdom about how the universe works and how to live in God's universe well, that includes how do we deal with sin now in this universe. And I have yet to see an organization, every organizational training have a section or a discussion about sin and how to deal with sin in the organization. That is, I don't even see that in Christian circles, much less in the in businesses or in government agencies. They don't deal with that. This is how low level we are in our understanding of how to really educate people. We know almost nothing about how to do it, which is why we're having such a meltdown such chaos in the world. You see, when we are devoid of biblical knowledge and wisdom, we will be chaotic. And what brings order out of chaos is alignment with God, alignment with truth. True knowledge, true wisdom brings us into alignment with God, obedience to his will and his ways. The creation mandate is fulfilled. That's when order is takes place. God produces order. Alignment with God produces order. That's what you see in creation. The creation account was about putting order in the universe. And we were charged to carry on. After God finished creating things, we were charged to take what he created and to continue to bring order to it. And now sin just adds another dimension to our responsibility as we seek to rule as God's agents. Another example is, is health and wellness, which I mentioned before. It's basically the stewardship of human health so that people can do what they're called to do, fulfilling the creation meta-narrative in God's big story of history. And finally, how about something like utilities? Utilities are tools to support the purpose of God in the creation mandate. You see, we have wonderful things. We have, we have water and sewer, and we have natural gas, and we have the internet now. We even have, you know, cable TV and and telephones and wireless systems. All these are wonderful utilities that are part of the infrastructure of the world. 
And why do we have these? It is not for our personal pleasure and convenience. It's not for whatever we want to do. It's to serve the purposes of God, to be his ruling agents, to facilitate and make this work more efficient and more effective. So we have to learn to think at that level, and that is very, very difficult. Finally, since yesterday, there was a, a mass shooting that happened in Aurora, Illinois. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment about that because there's a lot of conversation today in the news where the people that were impacted by that are just shocked or stunned, as anybody would be. Uh, if it happened in your community, if it happened to me, we, I, we would all be shocked. How do we see that? How do we see that in the meta narrative? Well, it, if, you're, if you're really committed to the word of God, you will recognize this is what's going to happen in a fallen world. What happened there was a manifestation of sin. Now, by the grace of God, that doesn't manifest often. We don't have shootings on a regular basis here where I live. We might have them once every few years right now. Now, that can change. We might start having them once every month or once a week. That could happen at any time. And if it does happen, it's no surprise because we are in a fallen world. Mankind fell. They fell through Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were the only agents, only human agents, who had, if there were, ever was free will, they had it. Nobody else has ever had it. We've all been born in bondage to sin. That is not free will. We are bound to sin, and the only way we cannot sin is by the grace of God. Now, there is common grace that's given to all that, whether they know Christ or not, can can make some wise choices. That's common grace, but it doesn't go very far. It takes the grace of Christ through his spirit, regenerating mankind to really empower us to live beyond just a very subsistence level, to be able to conquer sin to where we can really make progress in ruling God's creation well. So the general masses don't really have much more than common grace. That's about all they have. And there are times that God shows us that common grace breaks down. There's a limit to common grace. We see that in the Old Testament. There's a text about that. And so when you have a shooting or a mass event like that, it's an example when common grace broke down because of sin. And God gives you an opportunity to see the, the, what's in all of us. The deception, the wickedness, the sin, the evilness, the ability to create carnage and destruction and chaos that's in all of us. It's a picture of how desperately we need Christ. That event yesterday, as horrific as it was, as hard as it was, was revelation. Revelation of our need of a Savior. Revelation of the fallen condition of mankind. Revelation that should drive us to humility and repentance turning to Christ. We should be repenting for how we've been living based on what's in it for us instead of what's in it for God. That's what it should produce, but most people don't have the metaphysical awareness to see what it's really saying. And so they're not able to process this event well. And sadly, I don't know too many Christian churches that will have the courage, the moral courage to stand up and say something like this because I think most people would not receive it. They would not accept it. But I pray that we on this call will have the grace to receive the truth 
of how God's universe is working in this fallen condition and how God in his mercy and grace protects most of us most days from this carnage because we deserve what, what was ha well, passed out yesterday. We deserve sin and death because we are in rebellion against God. And only by his grace are we spared this. So we've got to see this correctly. If we don't see it correctly, we won't understand it correctly. If we don't understand it correctly, we won't draw the right conclusions. And if we don't draw the right conclusions, we won't make the right choices. So it all starts with seeing reality from God's perspective. That's called metaphysical awareness. And that comes from seeing things through the lens of the word of God and recognizing truth and living in truth. May we have grace to learn to do that and to do that well in Jesus' name. Amen.